Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hope you're having a great Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. And uh, yeah, it's been a while. Huh? It's been a couple weeks, maybe two, three weeks. I'm, I can't keep track. All the days are kind of blurring together right now. I'm in uh, newborn baby mode, so everything's a little crazy. But um, wanted to get on here and do um, a show, and we'll try to go long today. All right, we've got um, I've I've got approved for my wife up to two hours. So if we get some calls and uh, we we get some good phone calls today, we'll let it rip. And we'll hang out for a while. This will probably be my last post of the year. Um, perhaps, perhaps, you know, we've got two fight big events coming up on the 23rd and the 26th. So perhaps I'll get live and um, I'll, I'll come on live and do something after all that uh, real quick, you know, at the end of the year. But in case I don't, I just want to preface, you know, this might be the last show of the year. So TNC 365 wrapping up. The year that was in boxing for 2023 although it's not over yet we have some stuff to look forward to and of course we'll talk about that in some other things um a lot of other things and maybe we'll have some guests join us it's going to be fun it's going to be great and phone lines are open we're going to let it rip and have some fun uh let's see we're alive right now on youtube x and facebook hopefully you guys are going to be loud and clear there's not too much buffering uh we've had some issues with that in the past but i think we got it worked out you know how it is with technology. You got to kind of learn as you go. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump right into this, man. Um, we'll just um, we'll jump right in. And again, if calls pop up, guests pop up, we'll, we'll take that as it comes. But for right now, let's jump right in. You know, I want to start with this. <laughs> let me let me bring up my let me share my screen here. All right, you guys have seen this, right? <laughs> uh, Clarissa Shields gets dropped in sparring. This was like the biggest item on uh on x last week this was all over the place and look you guys know i i talk all the time about sparring and how it's really in insignificant like stuff like this because i've literally seen world-class fighters like hall of fame level guys get their ass whooped in sparring and then six seven weeks later look amazing on fight night so it, it's really all about what you do on fight night you have off days in sparring. I don't know the context because this is obviously an extremely short clip, but it does look Clarissa Shields. I, I tweeted this last week. She is her own worst enemy. I really don't care that she was dropped in sparring. To me, it's more embarrassing for her that this shot landed so flush and she didn't even see it. She bit on a feint on that throwaway right hand and then got nailed with a clean left hook. And this dude wasn't even punching hard. He didn't even like turn over on it. He just slapped her with it. So it's not even that she got dropped. It's that he landed that so easily, right? And it just goes to show that, I mean, there, guys, biology matters. There, there's a huge difference between men and women. I shouldn't even have to get into that. I'm not even going to do it. But Clarissa has gone around for years comparing herself to male boxers, saying she's more accomplished than any male boxers because she's unified all these titles and all these divisions. And I've clarified that for you guys. I've, I've stated numerous times. Now a bunch of other channels quote me. They don't give me credit but they quote the, the, the original guy who said all this stuff. It was me um, that in the, in the three divisions divisions she competed in and cleaned out, there were about a hundred total pro fighters globally. Okay. This is just licensed pro fighters, about a hundred. So Clarissa is the best out of a hundred. Okay. That's good. That's cool. All right. But nuance matters in like, if you say, hey, man, I'm the tallest guy in this classroom, there's a class of 30 people and I'm the tallest guy in this classroom, I might be like, yeah, but it's a classroom of midgets. You're four foot three. 
So yeah, you're the tallest guy in that classroom, but compared to the average person walking down the street, you're still a midget. So context matters and nuance matters. And yes, Clarissa is very, very accomplished in her three weight classes. She's the best out of a hundred fighters. Okay. To compare that to what men have done in this sport for centuries is it's, it's ridiculous. And then she called out Gennady Golovkin. She called out Keith Thurman. She's she posted a clip, you know, and Mike Benson, of course, retweeted it. Uh, a bunch of clips of her landing hard shots on guys and sparring. And she said, "I hurt these guys. None of them were hurt." But like, dude, Clarissa, stop trying so hard. And it's not Clarissa's just being Clarissa. Okay, I ain't even mad at her. It's all the yes men around her. And in the media and stuff who are just afraid to say it, just say it. If she wants to live in this deluded state, great, but don't add to it. Don't enable it. You're helping a sick person. It'd be like being around an alcoholic and just sipping on a beer all day and kind of looking at them and smiling. Hey, what's up, man? And you just keep sipping a beer in front of an alcoholic. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> so that's just how I see this, man. Um, I really don't care that she got dropped. I really don't. Sorry, I'm share. Move my chair. There we go. I don't care that she got dropped, but it does when you've talked all that shit for all those years. Yeah, this is kind of funny. This is kind of funny. Okay, moving on. Um, we're going to talk more about this card coming up this weekend later on in the show, but I wanted to just really quickly give a shout out to um, His Excellency over in Saudi Arabia this this Saturday. December 23rd, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. There's going to be a great event um, that is a pay-per-view. And you guys know I've been very, very critical of pay-per-views. And um, because there's been just an oversaturation in the market of pay-per-views. But this is one that I am 100% buying. 100% buying. And I'm going to show you guys a couple things here. Shout out to my man, Jack Alter. He tweeted this earlier today. He said, uh, this card goes insane. And he showed uh, just the, the lineup here. So let me talk about this for a minute. And again, we can talk about it more later in the show. I'm sure a couple of you guys will call in. You'll want to talk about it. Here's what I love about this event. There's several things I love about it and why I am very publicly, openly supporting and promoting it. I think this is, it, it's, it's, it sets the example. It's a model for how other promoters should be doing it. Now, look, they're throwing a ton of money at this thing and they're getting all these guys to fight that wouldn't normally fight because they're getting paid so well. I understand that money is a big reason why this is happening, but it sets a precedent where it's like, look, dude, I hope this thing's successful because there's so many great things about this card. Let's look at the lineup. None of those fights right there. There's what, eight or nine fights on this card. First of all, most pay-per-views you get, there's four fights and three of them suck. You're paying for the main event. In this card, none of these, what, eight fights here that Jack listed, none of them are great fights. None of them are really fights we asked for, which is my biggest complaint about pay-per-view these days, right? <clears throat> it's a bunch of fights on here that are on the level of, let's say, Benavidez Plant. Right. It, it may, some of them were even Benavidez Andrade-esque or Tank Davis with most of his opponents. That's like the level of fight. But there's like eight or nine of them. 
and it's heavyweights. And there are several guys here that are fighting that are top 10 fighters, legitimate, proven, some of them top five fighters. In the case of Dimitri Bevel, he's a pound for pound level talent. We've got young up and coming heavyweights. We've got older guys on their way out, former title holders. And then there's also a possible build here because Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are fighting. They're both in showcase matchups. I think that Joshua is matched pretty tough. I think Wilder's set up to look real good against Parker. But if they both win, they're going to fight early next year. We're finally going to get that fight. You know, although it's years past its due date, at least there's a build. So like, I'm going to watch this. And the two top guys fighting on it, right? The co-main is Wilder. The main event's Joshua. If they win, they may fight early next year. So I love watching events that have a build to them. This sport lacks that so much. The WWE does such a better job at storytelling and building than boxing. And obviously the UFC does a better job. So this is an example of like, okay, cool. The two winners will fight each other next year. So there's a possible build here. I like that. Also, what's cool about this, it is it's going to be on in the afternoon because it's overseas in, in Saudi Arabia. It's going to start in the afternoon while I'm um, putting my daughter down, my oldest daughter down for her nap. She takes a nap in the afternoon every day now. And uh, the, the baby will be feeding her and, you know, taking care of her. And I'm going to be chilling in the living room, pretty much, you know, watching my daughter's play for the, the afternoon into the evening hours taking care of them, playing with, you know, watching them play with their toys and stuff. And I'm going to have the boxing on. I'm going to have a few friends over. And I'm, I have family coming into town Friday for for, for uh, Christmas. We're all going to be watching together and drinking a few beers or maybe drinking some wine because we're probably going to be eating pasta. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. On top of all of that, it's $40. So I'm getting all that for 40 bucks. So it's on at a reasonable time. I don't have to stay up till two in the morning. It's on during regular time when regular human beings are awake. And trust me, guys, I'm a night owl. I love to stay up late, but you can't when you have a newborn baby. You're up late anyway because you have to get up two, three times a night to feed the little thing. So the little monster uh, and clean poop and, and puke and all that. So um, it's nice that I can watch this during the day like a regular human being. It's also nice that it's only $40. And yes, again, I'll repeat, none of these are great fights. But they're all decent fights, and there's eight or nine of them, and they feature names. So there's enough going on here, and it's reasonably priced to where I am, hell yeah, I'm supporting this event. Take my money. This will be the only pay-per-view that I have bought in 2023. I have not paid a cent for any other pay-per-view. Several of the pay-per-views I never even watched. There's a couple that I watched, but they were on the fire stick. I'll, I'll admit it. They were on the fire stick. They weren't worth my money. They also, most of them weren't worth my time to even watch it live. I'm paying for this. And the promotion involved, there's multiple promoters involved in this. So it's not like I'm trying to stick up for a certain promoter or something. This is just a really good event. And here's a couple things I find funny about this. Um, they announced this, what, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, something like that. It's funny because fighters these days always talk about, I need three months. I need four months. The promoters say, uh, we need like six months to really build this thing up and make it a big pay-per-view. They announced this, I swear, it was like five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But everybody signed on for this, and they're all having a short camp. 
it's funny how you don't need four months to prepare when you're getting money thrown at you and you're you're part of a big event like this. Uh, it's kind of funny how that works. So yes, these these are mostly showcase fights, stay busy kind of fights. There's a couple of step up fights here for the younger guys and stuff. But there's enough of these fights on one event. Instead of getting three crappy undercard fights and then a main event we didn't ask for, we're getting eight or nine fights. Let's be honest, guys. A lot of these fights on this card would be our PBC level pay-per-views. Let's just be honest. They are several of these fights. Um, so you know, a lot of these fights are better than what you're getting on regular DAZN or a regular Showtime, you know, any of that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this thing, man. I'm, I'm definitely supporting it. And it, real quick, I want to show you one last thing on this. Uh, for those of you on audio, sorry, I apologize. You won't be able to see this, but, um, the, the promo for this thing, I want to show you guys this. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but this is a really cool, interesting promo. And it's kind of this apocalyptic world with all these zombies and stuff. Uh, and they're calling it, of course, the day of reckoning. So that's why, you know, they're going with this theme, but it's really dramatic and kind of dark, which I like, I like dark dramatic kind of stuff there's all these like zombie people and then they introduce all the fighters and you know it, it's what does this have to do with boxing <laughs> kind of nothing right it doesn't matter there's a wwe element to this there, there's a fun uh i don't know what the superhero kind of element to this i really think this is one of the coolest most interesting boxing promos i have seen in my lifetime not just in the recent years, but literally in my lifetime. This is really pretty cool. Look, Hergovich is putting his eye back in like he's the Terminator. I love this shit. This is, they, in my opinion, man, they have knocked this out of the freaking park. Like, I'm loving it. I hope the production's great Saturday. Of course, we'll talk about it later on. It might be early next year when we talk about it. But this is just the coolest thing. And, and they obviously spent some time on this. Right. And they had to get the fighters involved and the fighters had to be willing to be a part of this promo, but it all works out. And it's so much fun, dude. How do you not get hype looking at that? It just, it, you're like, man, this is going to be a fun, a fun day. So dude, I'm excited for this event and I'm definitely going to be checking it out. And, um, real quick, well, you know, we'll break down the actual fights later, I think, but, oh man, look at this. My man, Chris Singh with the super chat. That's an awesome super chat, brother. Thank you so, so much, my friend. He says, Merry Christmas, Mike. Please get the kids a toy from Sylvia and I. Cheers. Please tell Sylvia that Tiffany and I said hello. Um, we would love to get down there to see you guys next year. In fact, Tiffany and I were just talking about that the other day. So um, please um, tell her thank you. And thank you, brother. Um, Merry Christmas to you and yours. I really appreciate it. And um, we will definitely be seeing you guys soon. We want to come check out that area. We've been interested in it for a while. It might be the next step. I don't know if Atlanta is the final stop. So maybe that will be the next place we go to. So uh, you guys can give us like the tour. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I, I Dude, just amazing. I mean, where's the applause button here? Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, man. I was freaking, I'm just going to leave that up. I'm just going to leave that up for the whole show. <laughs> We're still leave that up because it's so awesome. Uh, okay. What else here? Oh, I got to talk about this. How could I not start with this? Because everyone's been talking about this. Like, um, 
like they're getting some money from this deal. I don't know. Uh, it's it's funny whenever a, a new network deal is is announced, um, there's this this really funny visceral reaction on, on in the boxing universe with fans these days because they're so tied to promoters and stuff. But all right, so PBC announces a deal on Amazon Prime. Okay, this really didn't come as a surprise to people because it had been rumored for weeks that uh, Amazon was the top candidate to land the PBC deal. They were negotiating apparently with multiple platforms, multiple streaming services, to be clear, because none of the networks wanted to work with them. And they ultimately announced this deal with Amazon. So, okay. Basically, we all got an email from, from the PBC's communications team. Uh, everyone in the business got an email and it laid out this carefully crafted press release that was very, very vague and brief and just stated matter of factly, hey, we got a deal on Amazon. There is going to be pay-per-view fights and there will be non-pay-per-view fights. It did not specify how much will be pay-per-view versus non-pay-per-view. Uh, what I hear is that there will be about a dozen fights, uh, fight cards a year, a dozen events. So basically a monthly show. And so, you know, right off the top, I'm thinking, Okay, well, how many of those 12, if there's about 12, how many of them will be pay-per-view? Well, 10 of them will basically be a monthly pay-per-view, but maybe once or twice a year, you get a special free show on regular Amazon Prime. Or will it be the reverse? Will most of these shows just be on Amazon Prime? And maybe once or twice a year, there's a big pay-per-view show. Will the pay-per-views be $80? which is what you kind of have to charge on the networks because of the infrastructure, the way all of it works out with a network where they get a significant portion of that money. Now you're on a streaming service. Can you charge $40? Will you charge $40 or are you going to keep charging $80? Now that you're off of that network and you don't have to give up as much of that money uh, to the network, you have a little more freedom on a streaming service. It's cheaper to do production. Will you lower the price of pay-per-view? Also, PBC represents over 150 fighters. Are you going to be able to get all of them in the ring more than once a year if you only have 12 dates? Are you going to allow them to go over and fight on other platforms to stay busy and make some money for like little one-off deals and stuff? Are you guys going to be willing to, as part of this deal, are they going to be willing to work with other promoters and do cross-promotional fights? Again, will they allow you know, guys to go to other platforms to make those big fights happen or will they force everyone to come over to their platform, right? So these are all questions that I have. These these are big, big questions. Uh, Also, is this for the United States only? What about international distributing, right? So with Showtime Boxing, that's an American network and PBC was on Showtime here in America. And even though they were dissing streaming apps and calling the zone dead zone and dissing it and saying, well, never go fight on an app. All of their international broadcasting was done through the zone recently. Kind of ironic. So what about with Amazon? Is it going to be globally or are you going to be doing international stuff on other platforms? Like there's no details with this press release. And so of course, nobody in the media pushed for information for details. Nobody wanted to uh, do investigative journalism, right? And we don't know the answers to those questions. I just hope as, as a consumer, as a fan, that we get answers to some of those questions in the coming weeks and months. Don't have to do it right now. It's the end of the year. Things are slowing down. I get it. 
I think they said the first card will be like February, March, maybe somewhere. In, maybe it's February, if I remember correctly. Don't quote me, guys. But somewhere in the first quarter of 24. We need to know the answers to these questions before that inaugural event. We need to know how many of these events are going to be pay-per-view, what kind of price structure, is this global, what's what's with the international stuff, like how are we doing all of this, right? So that's what I hope happens. Now, let, let me state this. I hope, my hope is that PBC has learned from some of their mistakes and some of the you know issues they've had on different networks and not being able to build up um, a dedicated subscribership and and build ratings. Um, I hope they've learned from a lot of those things and they apply those lessons learned to this deal with Amazon. I hope to see PBC fighters, particularly their higher level guys, fight two or three times a year consistently. I hope that they're matched tough. I hope that we get a consistent stream of quality, top-rated premium content. I hope that we see them fight the absolute best in their division, even if that means going across the street and, and facing fighters represented by other uh, promotional outfits. Um, I hope we see all that. I hope we see very few pay-per-views, or if we do get regular pay-per-views, they look a lot like the show that we're getting this Saturday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And instead of getting four fights, you get eight or nine fights with a lot of names and it's loaded cards. I really hope that's what we get. My hunch, if I had to bet on it, is that we're not gonna get those things. And it's gonna be more of what we've been getting for the last however many years. Uh, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I can already see, I'm already seeing the narratives shift with the cult. I'm seeing a bunch of tweets um, and posts on YouTube and stuff where, you know, the narrative just a few months ago was, oh, DAZN is dead zone. We'll never fight on an app. You have to fight on TV because TV has the proper infrastructure for, for boxing promotion. You can, you reach a bigger audience. Uh, you know, all of that stuff, right? Now you're on an app, dude. So the narrative is changing. And what I'm starting to see is, well, Amazon Prime has more subscribers than ESPN Plus, than DAZN. So you got to come fight on our app. And I'm already seeing Gervonta Davis and Devin Haney have been going back and forth on Twitter. And their fans have been going back and forth on Twitter. And so you start to see these negotiations, you know, these mock negotiations play out among boxing fans on social media. And that's one of the narratives that I'm already seeing is like, hey, man, Amazon's got more subscribers. Why, why should Tank have to go over and fight on ESPN? And it's like, well, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Weren't you guys just saying a little while ago that you have to come fight on a network on TV because that's where boxing belongs and it doesn't belong on an app? Top Rank's the only promoter right now that has a network deal. Yes, they have ESPN Plus, the streaming app of ESPN, but they also have, they're part of ESPN's infrastructure. They, they have fights on the network and they can use that promotional apparatus. That's been your whole MO has been like, hey man, come fight over on Showtime, come fight over on Fox on our side because we can use the network to promote the fight, blah, 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 right? Well, Top Rank's got everything at ESPN. <clears throat> the worldwide leader of sports content, right? So wouldn't it make sense that Gervonta Davis, should he fight Devin Haney 
that's over on ESPN, ESPN pay-per-view, because that's a network. Or is the narrative going to shift? Now nah, you got to come fight on Amazon Plus because, or Amazon Prime because we have 150 million subscribers. We have more subscribers than you do. So you have to come fight on our platform. Even though it's an app and the other platforms, a television network, those narratives and those goalposts, oh boy, do they move a lot depending on how these deals shake up, huh? So I'm already seeing that. Let me say this much about the 150 million subscribers. And this is something I haven't seen any media members asking either, because, you know, why do investigative journalism? Why ask tough questions? You know, why be skeptical and critical? The media is not supposed to do that. Come on. Yeah. So 150 million subscribers, that's half the country, literally half of the United States. The United States is 300 million people. Half of the country subscribed to Amazon Prime. But the overwhelming majority of those subscribers have Amazon Prime for shopping. The majority of the subscribers are people like my wife, who's had Amazon Prime for years. If 30 minutes goes by and my wife doesn't order something from Amazon, I think her heart stops or something. <laughs> Every day we get boxes at the damn doorstop from Amazon, right? Every freaking day we get packages 24-7 from Amazon. She has Amazon Prime for the free shipping, for the deals and all that kind of stuff. We don't really watch Amazon Prime. We have it, but we really don't watch it. That's most people, dude. And believe me, when this whole thing was announced, I reached out to multiple friends in the industry, family members, friends of mine who are fans, my, my dudes at the gym. And I asked them about this and I'm like, do you have Amazon Prime? And if so, what do you have it for? And pretty much all of them said, oh, my wife got that shit for shopping. That's pretty much what they all said. So, so the 150 million subscribers thing that's going to become the new narrative, it's a little misleading. It's technically true. But what do I always say on the show? Nuance matters. Nuance matters in this case. We'll never have the numbers. We'll never know how many of that 150 million uh, people are subscribed to Amazon to watch content. Are there any, does Amazon prime have like shows? I think they have movies, right? But do they actually have their own show? You guys could let me know. Do they have their own shows the way like, like Netflix has like shows, right? I think Hulu has shows, obviously like max has shows and stuff like that, but I don't know if Amazon does. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I will say this, it does, it, it, it is a tremendous opportunity because let's say only one fifth of the 150 million are there to watch stuff on Amazon Prime TV. That's 30 million people, dude. That's 30 million people. Okay. So there's still a, a big opportunity there. And for the boxing business to thrive right now, for, for an app to thrive, you don't need millions and millions of subscribers anymore. Media is so fragmented now that you're not competing for millions or even you know, tens of millions of views. You're kind of competing for hundreds of thousands of, of views. If you're doing a pay-per-view, you're competing for hundreds of thousands. You're not competing for millions. It's, it's not about getting, this is where I think the, the business gets it wrong so often. In this day and age, with the way media is, and this is not just boxing, this is all media, the way it's so fragmented. Dude, a lot, you guys don't realize this. A lot of those like ESPN news shows during the day, they get like 300,000 views, 200,000 views. I'm dead serious. I've seen the, the reporting. Some of you out there have too. 
they're not getting millions of views. The reason why I bring this up is because, you know, Amazon, if they can just build a good brand over there and get some loyalty from Amazon subscribers, dude, if you get a million people on Amazon watching your stuff, that's going to be enough to keep that platform going. So it, it, it's up. It, the onus is on PBC management to provide quality content that gets people interested and makes them want to watch. And believe me, Amazon is a tech company. Amazon is not a sports company. They are not a, an entertainment company. They're a tech company. Yes, they started as a book thing, with it, but as they, today, Amazon is a tech company. Tech companies know every single data point. They track everything. Amazon will know exactly how many people are watching, how many people sub to, to Amazon for boxing. They are going to know every single data point and 10 data points behind that data point. Okay. They're going to know the business behind the business way more than anybody at ESPN, Showtime, Fox, any of these other platforms will know because that's what they specialize in. So if PBC doesn't get this right, it's not going to work out too well for them. All right. What else do we got? Uh, okay. Real quick. Let's review a couple of fights that, uh, that took place here. Let's go back a couple weeks to December 9th in San Francisco on DAZN pay-per-view. Devin Haney scores a unanimous decision win over Regis Progray, wins the WBC junior welterweight title. Uh, scores were 120-107 three times. Progray was dropped in the third round. And ever since that point, uh, Haney and Tank have been talking trash to each other on X. I do find it hilarious that Tank Davis has deleted most of his tweets going back and forth with Haney. This has been a common pattern with Tank. He seems to go on these bipolar tirades, gets a call from Leonard Ellaby, Floyd Mayweather. Hey, man, delete that shit. The next day it's gone. But a lot of people screenshot it. We've now seen the back and forth between these two. Um, so I, I don't think Tank Davis is going to fight Devin Haney. I don't think that fight's going to happen anytime soon. Devin Haney is the exact kind of opponent that Tank Davis doesn't fight. If they ever did fight, Tank Davis would demand a catch weight and rehydration clause and all this nonsense. And I've already seen Leonard Ellerby made a post earlier. I don't know if it was today or earlier this week, or I'm sorry, last week, where he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, if there's a fight between Tank and Haney, it's going to be negotiated from Tank's side. Tank's going to make the offer. We're going to control everything because we're the money man, right? That's basically 2023 promoters speak for, we don't want the freaking fight. Haney, a lot of people are saying he's the fighter of the year, uh, that he's pound for pound. Right now, Devin Haney has wins over Jorge Linares, albeit an old, pretty much finished version of Jorge Linares. Joseph Diaz Jr., George Cambosos Jr., twice in Australia, and an over-the-hill Vasily Lomachenko. I don't say that disrespectfully, but Loma is not near his prime. I watched the guy fight and train right in front of me for years. He's He's lost half a step. So a, a past prime Lomachenko, and now Regis Progray, who is a former, uh, I think, two-time champion, two-time title holder. So, so that's a good run for Devin Haney. And you can make an argument that it's the best of all the young guns, including Tiafima Lopez, because Tiafima Lopez has two outstanding wins. But in between those two wins, doesn't quite have the resume of Devin Haney, okay? Um, I would put Tio a little bit ahead of Haney, because he fought the main man at 135, and then he fought the main man at 140. 
but it's neck and neck. And there two of them are way ahead of Javante Davis, Shakur Stevenson, Ryan Garcia, any of these other young guys. They're they're far ahead in terms of their accomplishments. Here's why David David Haney doesn't get my fighter of the year, Don. There's a couple reasons, okay? I rate his win over Progray as a good win. Okay, for his first fight at 140, man, that's a good win. I get it. Regis Progray has not been the same dude he was in that tournament since his loss to Josh Taylor. He's just not been the same guy. I don't think he's his resume has been bad. He's been inactive. And I, again, I rate that win as a high-level win for Haney. But at the same time, it's not beating Tiafima Lopez at 140. That's the fight I want to see because I think Tio is the top guy at 140 right now. I want to see Devin Haney in with a guy like that. To me, Regis Progray, and I like Regis, exciting fighter and just a cool dude. Like I've talked with Regis. I've interviewed him. We've actually talked about books and stuff like that. He's an avid reader. He's a boxing historian, but he's just not the same dude. And I think he's kind of mentally checked out of the sport halfway. And it just seems like that's how he's been the last few years. He went independent in terms of his promotion. And I think that's cost him. So anyway, I, I give, I give Haney, you know, credit for a good win right there, but fighter of the year. And then he beats Lomachenko, right? But that was a really close fight. And there are a lot of people out there that felt Lomo won that fight. A lot of you guys out there felt Lomo won. So I, I, I compare that to what Terrence Crawford did to Errol Spence, which was he destroyed the guy. He ruined him. Not only did T uh, Crawford destroy Errol Spence by knocking him out, brutally just owning him, he blew up a narrative that had been pushed, a grift that had been pushed for five years. Boxing fans were lied to, manipulated, and taken advantage of by an entire platform. And the executives at that platform, or I'm sorry, Terrence Crawford blew that shit up. That alone is fighter of the, fighter of the year worthy. And then we have Naoya Inouye, who obviously had the big win over Fulton. If he beats Topolis next week, to me, he edges it. But to me, it's between Inouye and Crawford. And nobody else is close, including Devin Haney. So I give the kid credit, but he's just not on that level, in my opinion. I'm not going to say it's smoke and mirrors his resume, but it's there's nuance. How about that? How about that? There's nuance to it. All right, <clears throat> let's uh, let we got a guest here on the line. I'm going to bring a guest on as I sip some water, so I lose my freaking voice here. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the business stuff, particularly PBC Showtime, Amazon. We'll talk some pay per view numbers. So we're going to have some fun here. Let's bring him on. Mr. Rick Glazier. How you doing, sir? Can you hear me? Good, Mike. How you doing? Doing, doing well good, on this Monday. Yeah, doing good, man. Um, you know, not getting a whole lot of sleep these days, but other than that, I'm doing good. <laughs> Thanks uh, for being on, what, man. That's what a newborn will do to you. Oh, my God. I thought sparring was tough. Holy shit. It's so yeah, much tougher. What, uh, Rick, exactly. I, everybody knows who you are on the show, but just for, for those of you, for those of the uh, people out there who don't, can you just really quickly 
just give a little bit of your background. I mean, I would call you an international boxing agent, broker, or consultant. I know you've been doing that for like the last 30 years, but can you break down really quick, like a 90 second spiel about your experience well, in the sport? Jan January 1st, coming up January 1st, I'll be in the business 33 years full time as my exclusive um, business. I uh, broker deals, rendered and render advice every day. And um, I set up career paths for. Uh, for uh, fighters, for managers, for promo for promoters, um, all kinds of different things that I do in boxing. I, you know, I'm I'm a 24/7, 365 worldwide provider of supple quality supplemental service to the professional boxing business worldwide. I presently have 46 um, uh, corporate clients, uh, and um, I just I love what I do and I enjoy what I do. Awesome. All right, Rick. Well, I want to get right into this uh, Showtime boxing thing because you called this shit over a year ago, and <laughs> you called. Well, yeah, it last, exactly. Actually, ac actually, last December, correct? Though, exactly last December, I said in the fourth quarter of the of um, 2023 that uh, Showtime would be announcing that they're leaving boxing in October. It was announced in October. And that's the that's the fourth quarter of the year. It's the first month in the fourth quarter, and then uh, on September twenty second, I actually announced that they've already made their decision. And then, of course, two and a half weeks later, they everybody's jumping at it with a big announcement. Like people were like, you know, uh, Espinosa, the head of a uh, Showtime Boxing, uh, he Showtime Sports. He went around him and Dan Raphael went around ringside. And basically at the, at the uh, Canelo fight saying, I didn't know I was talking about, I was full of shit, you know, blah, 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 you know, yeah, um, but you it know. turns out you called every single aspect of it pretty much spot. Yeah. And I, I know I, you take Thank heat you. for it. You take a lot of heat. You, you, you talk about pay-per-view numbers, the real pay-per-view numbers versus the fake shit that gets posted uh, by the media. You take heat for that. But I, Rick, I feel you were vindicated with all of this because if the pay-per-view numbers were what was being reported, I think Showtime right. would still, still be boxing. Showtime would Showtime would still be well. That's absolutely that's what right. That's what happened to September twenty second um, when I announced it. Well, what happened was they 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 were leaving boxing programming on cable television. Showtime that was not even in question at that at and going into the towards the end of the year whether they were going to stay in the pay-per-view business as a distributor of pay-per-view was a different issue now they decided to bail on that too because those numbers that they were that pbc were putting out through their operatives and uh, and some media people are their operatives absolutely and they were they were lying about the numbers and i kept telling everybody if those numbers were correct like they say they are then they'd then they'll continue on in the pay-per-view business if they're not if, if my numbers are correct they're not going to continue on and they didn't continue Okay, I know what the real numbers are. Okay, I get the. I've been getting the same numbers since the Floyd Mayweather, uh, Arturo Gatti fight, and that was July of two thousand four. From the same gentleman, he's a attorney in the TV business. In a, he is located in L.A. He at one time was a TV executive many years ago, but he has a law degree, and he went into the the um, 
the the attorney aspect of uh, TV. And um, he's semi-retired now. He's still working, but he's not like, you know, he's not like he, well, he goes on vacations a lot now. But in the meantime, the point is that I'm making is that they were lying all along. And I kept telling these people, everybody for years, that these numbers are, are wrong. And people were like always skeptical because guys like Ray Fiel and um, he was with ESPN for a long time. Then uh, Kevin Ioli, who was with Yahoo for a long time till recently, they're all reporting all these pie in the sky numbers that they're getting fed to by the media. And I kept telling everybody, you know, when then people would say to me on Twitter, well, how or calling the talk shows and stuff like that. And they'd say to me, well, why should we believe your numbers over all these other people? Because they're not announced numbers by Showtime. They're being fed numbers. And if those numbers were, they were so proud of those numbers, Showtime, they would be announcing the real numbers because a corporation like Showtime, which is publicly traded, the parent company's yeah. publicly traded, they can't lie by by 20% or more when they make those kind of announcements, because if not, that's corporate fraud. And it, it was just a big spiral and nobody got it. And I kept telling everybody and these, nobody would listen. And yes, I, I do definitely feel vindicated. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I want to be clear about something because <clears throat> because I've been critical of, of Espinosa. I, I really think he he's not the sole reason, but he's one of the primary reasons that Showtime Boxing failed because he he didn't push back enough, Rick. He didn't demand the the top fights get made, and he stopped. His loyalty should have lied with Showtime and Showtime subscribers, not PBC executives. And I right. felt that if he was doing his job correctly, a fight like Benavidez Plant should have happened three, four years ago when they both had titles, and it could have been a unification bout. A fight like Crawford and Spence should have happened years ago. In fact, Crawford Spence, you know, that's when I knew something was up because at that point I knew, okay, the writing's on the wall. Showtime's done because they may actually made that fight because I don't know if you remember, Rick, I think it was earlier this year. It might've been late last year where PBC basically paid the sanctioning organization to bump Keith Thurman up to number one in the ratings. They were going to try to do Spence Thurman. They wanted to delay the Crawford fight even more if they right. could they couldn't right. because they knew they they got word that it was going to be done at showtime and they wanted to make sure their guy got paid so they did well, it. that's not that's mike that's a fallacy what you just said but, but okay. that's a you're not wrong everybody was wrong on that that's not what happened what happened was david burson who's the head of cbs sports who became um espinoza's boss Okay. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. I don't right. stop when they he, restructured everything. Right. Yeah, he yeah. For, he forced them to come up with the best fights or 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 they weren't going to do them. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's how it started. That's okay. how the ball it was okay, and it, and for Burson, it was basically going out of business sale because what he was saying was we're either going to go out of business uh, uh, with these great fights or they're going to do great pay-per-view numbers and we're going to decide to stay in the business. Well, they didn't do great pay-per-view numbers. So that's when they bailed totally on boxing. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm seeing I've, a lot of people out there are saying that the biggest issue is piracy. A lot of fans are pirating the pay-per-views. They're not paying for it. They're streaming it. 
But my thing is, well, man, you, you have to provide the content that makes fans want to pay. Well, let, let me let me explain this to, to you. The best way to say piracy is a huge problem, but yes, you, you need fights. So the, the two fighters in boxing that are attractions uh, um, to the general sporting public, not just boxing fans, are Canelo and Ryan Garcia. Mm -hmm. Now, why do I say that? Well, Canelo's consistently doing over 500,000 pay-per-views, at least 500,000 pay-per-views. And there are people actually, that's what the number is. So in other words, there's other people stealing it, but they're actually buying it. Okay, Ryan Garcia, the fight before Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis fought, Tank in January 7th of this year, Tank did 61,000 buys on pay-per-view. He did over a million two with with Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia's people are the general sporting public. They, they can't, they could Instagram followers. Right. Uh, he's got 11 million Instagram followers, Ryan Gar and, and Ryan Garcia. And the people were buying it because of Ryan Garcia, not because of tank. What can you count on tank? You could have count on 61,000 when tank fought, um, in 2000 and, uh, 2021, when, uh, tank fought, uh, Pitbull Cruz, Isaac Pitbull Cruz, he did 52,000 buys. So Tank is not this big pay-per-view attraction that they want to make him out to be. The truth of the matter is he's a big gate attraction yes. because you can't, you can't steal the gate. Okay? Yeah. So the people are coming... Yeah. Right. The, the people are coming out to see him, but the people that are buying it on pay-per-view are pirating it. There's not even a question. So the general sporting public gets behind Canelo and Ryan Garcia. So that's why you get all those buys for those two particular guys. Boxing has not lost its popularity. Okay. What's happened is there's the, 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 the boxing fans, they've been pay-per-viewed to death. And they're they they're retorting you know they're pushing back by stealing the pay per view. Yeah, and I made a comparison recently to the music industry. I'm sure you remember around 2000 when Napster came out and all these right. these apps came out where people could share music because they were getting gouged. The record industry was charging like eighteen dollars for an album that cost thirty cents right. to make, and people were buying the whole album for one song. Now they found out a way they can just go around the industry and just download the songs and share them with each other. But the music industry, to their credit, adjusted. And now you can order like Apple Music and you can download music that way. And, and, and piracy is still an issue, but the music industry is thriving because they have found a way to monetize the downloading and the streaming of, of music. How can boxing do that? How can boxing thrive in this era where there are a lot of fans out there, if they're not super, super invested in the fighter or the, the matchup, they're going to pirate it? I, You know what? It's a great question, but I'm not that technically inclined to be able to answer that. You know, somehow cut down, somehow electronically uh, through technology cut down on the pirating somehow if they can. I don't they know. I don't that. have those answers. Well, they I, have I don't tried have that. And they've done they've done better at it, you know, combating the piracy. But you just you can't beat them all. People are always one step ahead. How how about less pay per views for and and let's charge forty dollars instead of eighty dollars? Do you think that that's got to help? Not 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 really. 
Not really. really no, not really. The people are still going to steal it, are stealing it out of, uh, because they can. So in other words, uh, let me explain what that means. A lot of people, this is really weird. A good working guy goes out every day and he goes to work. And at the end of the day, he says, I made 500 today. He's real proud of himself. Well, the people that are stealing it, th that makes them feel proud that they are able to steal it mm -hmm. and beat the system. So it doesn't matter if you charge $19.95, they're still going to steal it. it okay, doesn't well, matter. how about this? Because I, I do agree with you in a sense, although, you know, people might be bullshitting me, but I talk to a lot of fans every day on Twitter on X, and they tell me, yeah, dude, I'd, I'd pay, I pay when it's a good matchup. I steal it when it's a B-level matchup. Nah, they're, they're degenerates. They're, they're still going to watch. <laughs> no. They're full of shit. If they're stealing it, they're stealing it. That's like that's like saying, wait, that's like saying I'm gonna rob a seven eleven, but uh, I'm not gonna rob that I'm not gonna rob that one that one because of uh you know the the, the, the building's painted a different color, you know, yeah, or it's yeah. got brick right, you know, come on. Okay, it's well, ridiculous. how about this? How about this? You mentioned Canelo Alvarez, you mentioned Ryan Garcia. There mm -hmm. are definitely people, millions of people pirating their events, but there are people buying them. Because they're invested right. in the fighter. How does boxing right. get more fans invested? Well, in the, the fighters, fighter? the fighters have to fight more often. They, they get they're too far in between fights. The average PB, PBC champion over the last few years has fought one point. Um, sorry, every fourteen uh, months in one week. Uh, right. So that okay, right. one world champ. Okay, that's ridiculous. Um, they have to fight more often to attract more people to pay attention to them. We, we've we've lost our way. Uh, I, I'm going to explain something how much we've lost our way. Now I don't. Let's go to Ali Frazier. Okay, the first fight, March eighth, nineteen seventy one. I was twelve years old, and I went to the movie theater to watch the fight. The next morning, I picked up the newspaper. Well, they delivered it to, to my family home. I picked up the newspaper, and what's on the front page of the paper? Everything under the sun about the fight. The headlines, the picture, Ali going down. Uh, Ali, another one standing in this corner after the knockdown uh, recovery with his hands on the ropes. A whole front page, okay? Now, that was 71. Let's go to, let's go to 82, 83 era. We were on the front page of the sports section, the biggest fights. Okay, let's go to let's go to 1993. Now, ten years later, approximately 10, 10 years later. Okay, we were lucky to be on the front page of the sports section. Okay, by the time two thousand and four came around, we were on the internet, and 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 it was a like a like an article, not on the front page of the sports section, and the inside of the section, and just a little thing about the fight, like no big deal, like it wasn't even a big fight. They're the biggest fights in the land, and now there's not one word in public newspapers about boxing. It's all on the internet, and podcasts, and you know, just in general on the internet, in some kind, some form of social media, and. That's hurting the business.
Okay. Is our, our boxing on apps hurting the business? Yes. But the television uh, entities has rejected boxing for, for multiple reasons. The only U.S. Um, TV carrier right now that's doing live professional boxing is ESPN. Right. And, they're, and not only they're doing it on regular ESPN, they're doing it on ESPN Plus, which is their app, and ESPN Deportes, which is the Hispanic version. Okay? Nobody else is doing boxing on television anymore. E, um, Showtime just left. They're done. Uh, HBO went out five, exactly five years ago. And, you know, Al Heyman killed off a lot of TV networks. He's blazed through him and his PBC has blazed through 11 TV networks in eight years. So, yeah, you know, Rick, I I get accused of being an Al Heyman hater. I know you do as well. Boy, time out. The difference is I admit it. You don't. (laughs) Well, I got to be Rick. I okay. That's so, that's and I don't true. hate, it, by the way, I don't hate Al Heyman personally. I don't like what he's done to boxing. I don't like how he conducts business. Well, that's I don't what I would like say. how like, he's done. Right. I, I don't, I don't have any hate for anybody in my heart, but, but I, I don't like the way that they do business. It's, it's good for their fighters. They do get their fighters paid. In fact, they're grossly overpaid. Yeah, but, 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 but it's detrimental. But that's why they're business. killing. That's why they're killing the networks. It, exactly. Because they've been grossly overpaid. Number one. Number two is it's not good for the fighters because the fighters become complacent, then they won't fight for less. They've right. had this problem now with Keith Thurman. Uh, I'm trying to think, Danny Garcia. Oh. Uh, I'm trying to think who, who, who they are. There's like three or four PBO, Lara, these PBC fighters, they can't get that big money anymore, so now they don't want to fight. Well, that was inflated market value that they that, that, that Heyman dreamed up with, with money with the $900 million from White Al Reed. So there's yeah. your answer. Yeah. And, and for me, like what I always tell people is this comes from, for me, it's, it's, it doesn't come from hate. It comes from love. It comes from love for the sport. You know, so I'm a child of the eighties, teenager of the nineties, young adult of the two thousands. I was born in 79. Okay. So I grew up in the eighties in Detroit when Thomas Hearns was a hero and he was on the front page everywhere. He was doing commercials right. on TV mm-hmm. everywhere. Hearns was everywhere. It was Hearns and Isaiah Thomas. And then it became Barry right. Sanders later on. Um, those guys were all over TV right where I grew up. And so I grew up in an era where boxing was still very relevant and it was talked about in the mainstream and the fighters were were loved and, and they fought often. Uh, the numbers were big and they just got bastardized, man. And, and look, Al Heyman is not the only guy that has done things that I vehemently disagree with. I've disagreed with Bob Arum at times, Eddie Hearn, all of them. But I, there's a track record there. You talked about the 11 networks. 11 networks have broadcast PBC fights and decided ultimately not to re-sign them. Right. right. Showtime yeah. Boxing just ended. No network wanted them. No network. They had to go to a streaming platform after years of saying, we'll never go to a streaming platform. That should mm-hmm. tell fans something. And, right. and talking about that doesn't mean you hate. It's just you're concerned and you want to bring it up. So anyway, I just I see you get a lot of stick, man, a lot of stick from people out there. And I, I just don't think you deserve it. I, I think you're just trying to tell people the truth. I'm like a I'm like a, a, an oil slick duck going through wa- the murky waters, <laughs> and I, uh, 
of, uh, of Twitter and professional boxing. You know, I navigate those waters every day. It's no big deal. I go to fights and, and people want people, you know, they want, as my wife says about me, either people want to uh, kiss me on both cheeks or, 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 or put two behind my ear. <laughs> One of the two. No, you know, honestly no. though, that's, that means you're doing it right. You know, like it, it, people just don't understand, like you don't have to agree with everything somebody says, but you know, I always question the source when I hear people commenting and, and being critical or whatever. And to me, I think your heart's in the right place. Um, you're just trying to inform fans of what's really going on because fans have to spend their money to consume this sport. It's not. Well, free. that's what, that's what, that's, see, that's one thing that I've, that I've pushed. People ask me all the time, well, how come, you know, you're in boxing full time, you know, you know, aren't you worried about the, like, you know, this guy's going to get mad at you and you're not going to make a living. I don't worry about it. I I'll never run out of clients. I'm a very talented, I'm a very talented person. I know I'm a very hard worker. And basically what's happened is that I saw a void that all these reporters are talking about fights and fighters. They're not giving anybody any information. I said, geez, these people are paying. This is the one sport that the, you have to pay to watch. And uh, uh, basically anything good, you got to watch, you got to pay to watch. And even if you're, even if it was on HBO, even if it was on Showtime, you're still paying additional for that. And you know what? It basically is. It's the only, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, the Daytona 500, the Indianapolis 500, the World Series. Everything's free. You can be a sports fan of any sport for boxing. Watch every event. It don't cost you a dime. Yep. Boxing, it ends up costing you $1,500 a year. Well, yes. those people, though, I don't even call them fans. I call them boxing enthusiasts because to be to be a fan, you have to be an enthusiast. And in the meantime, I'm willing to fork out fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks a year. I have a friend of mine that that's he's not doing well in life. He loves boxing, and you know he gets a limited amount of social security every month. He gets um he gets uh, social security, a little disability. And he spends a hundred and fifty dollars a month on boxing, between, and that's a lot of money of his income. If you take the percentage, it's a huge amount of his income. Okay, I mean huge amount. It's 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 actually fifteen percent of his income, and he he couldn't do without it. He loves boxing, but the point is, it costs him a hundred and fifty dollars a month every month. By the time he pays the pay per views, he bought he had Showtime. This is since uh, uh, Winnicott went out of business. Right. He's got the ESPN Plus app, and with the pay per views, it's costing him a hundred and fifty dollars a month all total. By the time you average out, some months are one pay per view, some months are two pay per views. So. It costed them eighteen hundred dollars a year, but in, and, and people are are people will pay that, but you got to give them quality, and the uh, and the promoters, as a general rule, that are doing pay per view, okay, which is basically PBC, they're not giving the people quality, okay, and these are fights that should not be on pay per view. The the uh, Benavides and, and and what's his name there? Andre. Uh, Andrade. Yeah, terrible not fight, terrible should, fight. Not have, should not have been pay-per-view. Okay. I mean, so do I, do I think Haney and Loma should have been pay-per-view? As somebody said, asked me, I said, barely, me, me, barely. Yeah. 
I, that was hard. Barely too. pay-per-view. Uh, Spencing least- Crawford should have been pay-per-view. Yes. It turned out to be a dud because it was so one-sided, but going in, it warranted pay-per-view. Two undefeated welterweights, undisputed, you know, for the uh, undisputed world welterweight championship guys, guys undefeated. One guy was an Olympian, and they're the two biggest names in the division for an awful long time. So, yes, that should have been pay-per-view. Um, you know, should the Fury uh, Fury fights with um, Wilder, um, all three been pay-per-view? Yes. 100%. Should the Canelo fights be pay-per-view? Yes, because you got to pay Canelo uh, an ungodly amount of money, and that's why it should be pay-per-view. I'm not saying all the guys he fights should be pay-per-view, but because based on his guarantees per fight, yes, his fight should be on pay-per-view. All the other ones are, are hit and miss. Yeah. Speaking of pay-per-view, how did uh, Haney and Progray do? Do you have those numbers? It just, it just broke 50,000. Barely. Wow. Wow. It doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise it didn't attract me. it didn't attract the general public. It did, did not attract the general but by boxing enthusiasts only. That's just what it was. You got to, to sell pay-per-view in this era, okay, that's ERA era. Okay, you have to have uh, fighters that attract the general sporting public, which is Canelo and Ryan Garcia. And even Tyson Fury has not done well on pay-per-view in America without Wilder. Absolutely. After beating Wilder. After beating Wilder. So, yeah, and, and Wilder's pay-per-views without Fury were all bombs. Correct. So these guys need top-level. Most everybody needs a top-level opponent except, to your point, uh, Ryan Garcia and Canelo Alvarez, and maybe even Jake Paul. Jake Paul probably brings in more guaranteed pay-per-view buys well, than yeah, most of the boxing well, stars. Well, well, y- yes, I, you know, that to me is more of a more entertainment that is of boxing. Course, but of course, yes, uh, yes, uh, Jake Paul. But that's what I'm saying to you. Another guy that's attracting the general public. Yeah. Okay. That's another case in point, and that's that's the difference here. People aren't recognizing that. And you've got to have fights that attract the general public. Those are the true pay-per-view fights. And these other fights, they're just putting them on pay-per-view because there's no budget or they got to overpay the fighters. Well, if you, you're, you're creating a false market by overpaying the fighters because, because they're not worth what they're drawing. So you're creating a false market by doing that. Yeah, you know, I think, think back to like somebody like Ray Leonard. You know, he was an Olympian. And instantly he's fighting on network TV and fighting mm-hmm. often. And when he was a mm-hmm. prospect, he wasn't fighting world beaters, but he was fighting mm-hmm. often on network TV and he was being promoted. And the American public knew who he was. If Ray Leonard had gone pro and gone off instantly to like HBO and fought once a year, nobody would, I mean, people would know him, but it, it, he wouldn't have been anywhere near the star he became. It's about exposure and the way to get these guys out there is like, man, get them in the ring three or four times a year, even if it's stay busy fights and don't charge for it. And people, you know, eventually you'll build a brand. Um, I, I I have a good one for you. Okay. So Duran was world lightweight champion from basically 2000 and I'm sorry, uh, 1972 to basically 76 over a four year period. Okay, world lightweight champ, right? Okay, and he defended his title multiple times a year. 
uh, during that time period, he fought as uh, over the weight fights. And uh, basically, some of them were even junior welterweight fights, but they were non-world title fights during that same period as world champion. You know how many times he fought over that four-and-a-half-year period? 28 times in non-world title fights besides all his world title challenges. That tells you that's in a, in a four and a half and a basically a four year to four and a half year period. So you and that that's average of seven fights a year plus your world title fights a year, which were three and four. So th there's your answer, right? Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing about Chavez and other guys. They they just they right. fought so often, and th that's why they're beloved. It, it didn't matter that they lost fights. It doesn't really matter. It didn't tarnish their legacy at all. That and that and Arturo Getty didn't hurt his legacy at all. He lost his, he, he lost, it didn't hurt Diego Corrales's. You know, it's a funny thing about Diego Corrales. People have been a revisionist of history about him now that, that I, I, I thought he was great fighter to watch. He was pleasing as all heck to watch. Don't get me wrong, he was fun, but people act like now that he like died at the peak of his career, he had lost his last three fights before he got killed on the motorcycle accident. Brutally lost. People, yeah. Yeah. He got destroyed. And, and, and for his last three fights, you know, one of the things that another thing is amongst Italian Americans. Okay. And, and you can appreciate this. You know how many people now think that Mar Rocky Marshall died uh, while he was world champion when he had been retired for 14 years when he, when he got killed in the plane crash? Like, uh, you know, Rick, I get asked a lot this, like maybe four or five times a year. Rick, if uh, if Marciano, if he wouldn't have killed in the plane crash, how long do you think he could have been champ um, um, right. after? How long many years? I said he was retired 14 years when the plane went down. Yeah, was, his I mean, hairline had receded. He was right, definitely not right. in fight shape. I mean, right, Marciano right. did so much for the Italian American people, um, uh, bringing—I don't know how to put this—but um, ingratiating yeah. Italians to the greater Anglo society, um, where they had kind of been ostracized for a long time and almost feared. And he kind of made it okay to root for an Italian guy. You know, he kind of broke through. Right. Uh, he did right. a lot for civil rights in that respect. Um, just right. to, you know, it, so it's, it, it doesn't surprise me that you get questions like that, you know? Right. I mean, you know, I, this is a good one. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, what, what year it was, but it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe like 2008 or 2009 when he was retired, like five, six years already. Uh, Lennox Lewis, who, um, who's the heavyweight champ now? Lennox Lewis? Well, he retired in 2004 and hadn't fought since 2000. He was like five or six years later. And the guy didn't have any clue at all. I was sat next to a guy who wasn't playing once that in like 2005 that thought that Mike Tyson was still the heavyweight champion. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, Mike Tyson. There's still people out there that think Mike Tyson's the champion. I mean, we yeah. still talk about him, man. It's just when you leave that kind of legacy, you know, people are going to remember your name. It's yeah, just, it's well, different. that's true. That's definitely true, Mike. You know, not not even a question. But what people don't understand about boxing is there's two different segments of boxing. There's the white collar faction and the blue collar faction. The sport is the blue collar faction, and the business is the white collar faction. Just because you're you know the sport, what you see on TV, or because you can train a fighter, or because you were a fighter. Or because you're a manager, it doesn't mean you know anything about the 
<laughs> the business aspect of boxing. The business is a completely different animal than the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's a, uh, it's a very unique business. People think people from other parts of the entertainment industry think they can just kind of jump in and they're like, Holy shit. When they, when they really get in there and see the sausage being made, it's a different business, brother. But Rick, no, no um, I got to move on with my show, man. Um, can you just real quick uh, tell people how they can find you on social media and thank you so much for being on the show. We'll definitely do this again. I hope you have a great holidays with the wife and uh, you enjoy everything. And, We'll talk yep, it's a uh, it's a uh, real Rick Laser one on Twitter. I'm a verified account. I got about 9,500 followers, and um, I answer all boxing questions on Twitter. And um, whatever, Mike, have me on again. It's very enjoyable, and uh, your Absolutely. pleasure. And uh, we'll talk. Thanks Thank you. a lot, Rick. Happy holidays. Bye, bye, brother. Thank you. All right, there he goes, everybody. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Now I'm trying to figure out where I was. And, and real quick, just to just to put a cap on all that, um, guys. Again, and, and Rick has been, in, you know, he he's a very outspoken uh, PBC critic. Okay, I'd say more more so than myself. I uh, I'm critical of the way some of the business is done there, and the the defense that I always hear from people is, well, the fighters are getting paid. Cool. The fighters are getting paid, but the industry, <clears throat> the industry is suffering. The sport is suffering. We're being pushed further and further and further underground. Again, if I can make a comparison to the music industry, you go back to the 90s where the, the record companies were making record profits. They were making billions of dollars because they were taking advantage of music fans. And, you know, they were saying back then, well, hey, we're, we're, look at the profits we're making. Yeah, yeah, these, you know. They pushed music underground and people said, well, screw you. We're not going to go to the record stores anymore. We're going to just download this crap. I'm not talking about 2020s where you, you, you young guys grew up with that. I'm talking about this is like 2000. Okay. It was very new. But even like my mom and dad, who at that point were like 40, they were doing it. I knew like my grandparents were downloading songs, like people, like elderly people, everyone was doing it. The music industry pushed too far and it, it, it forced, almost forced people to start pirating stuff. And so because they were overpaid, it was just inflated. We have to have a great reset in this sport uh, to a certain extent and it, just a market um, correction. Now, are we going to have that? Is it going to happen? I doubt it. Um, but I express these things not to hate, not to be dismissive of one platform over another. But look, they don't all operate the same way. Okay, I give all of them credit for what they do well. So like PBC. PBC is the best at taking an existing fighter's brand and expanding that brand to a more mainstream, casual audience particularly with the youth. They're very good at that. They're good at marketing to the youth and their, their pay-per-view events are generally speaking, the production's very good. Over at Top Rank, they are the best at developing young talent, developing prospects, signing young prospects and building them into elite level fighters. They do that better than anybody in the business. They can spot talent 
better than anybody. When a fighter signs with top rank, particularly a prospect, they see something in that guy. Sometimes what they see is dollars. Sometimes they say, listen, this guy won't be a great fighter, but we can market him. He's got a, a niche that we can market. But sometimes they see sp something special. Terrence Crawford's a guy that flew under the radar. PBC didn't sign him. Uh, Golden Boy didn't. No one signed him. Top rank saw something there. And look what they did with Crawford. They developed him into possibly the greatest fighter in the world right now. He's number one or number two. Okay. Um, top rank did that. So, so they're very good at that. But top rank's also very, very bad at marketing their fighters, particularly marketing to the youth. I would say they're just not very good at that. Um, they, they have a difficult time getting their fighters and turning them into crossover stars. Uh, biggest reason they don't overpay guys. So they're not going to get those big names. Like Canelo is signed with every promoter in boxing, literally everybody. Canelo has worked with golden boy matchroom and now PBC. Uh, he's worked with small time promoters when he was first coming up. He's never worked with top rank because he ain't going to get overpaid there. So, so top rank is more of like a niche market where they go. Like they're not trying to like reinvent the wheel. They're just doing what they've been doing and it works for them. And then there's Matchroom. Eddie Hearn has set up this great global infrastructure on the zone where there's a lot of potential there for growth over the next 10, 20 plus years. If he can get some fighters to sign on and he has more stars, he needs more Anthony Joshua's. He needs a couple more Anthony Joshua's. And then he really can have a global thing happening. Uh, so he's doing really well in the global market. All these guys have their little niche at what they do very, very well. In American boxing, though, the platform that has contributed the most to boxing's further minimalization and you know forcing it to be underground, it's undeniable, guys, which platform that is. It's just undeniable. So, so I bring these things up because I'm concerned as a fan and I want this sport to thrive. That's it. And I'm concerned about a lot of you guys out there that are spending your hard-earned money on this stuff and you're being told it's an $80 steak when it's really a $10 cheeseburger. And that's what Steven Espinosa polled for years, 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 years. And we, we've heard 2023 was this amazing year with this incredible schedule. PBC's schedule was so amazing. There are three really breakthrough fights, which was Canelo Charlo, which is a fight no one asked for, Crawford Spence, which is a fight that people have been asking for for half a decade, and Tank Garcia, which nobody really asked for, but it was you know, two young influencers. So, so it made a lot of sense. And commercially, it was a super big fight. All three of those were crossover promotions. Ryan Garcia is a golden boy fighter. Canelo is Canelo. He's not a PBC guy. Crawford, not a PBC guy. So the three events they had this year that broke through and did real numbers, crossover promotions. That should tell you everything. All their other pay-per-views tanked and lost money. Okay? And by the way, ESPN's pay-per-view with Lomachenko-Haney, that didn't do well either. This other pay-per-view with Haney and Progray, that didn't do well. Okay? You've got to have those crossover fights where the top guys are fighting each other, or at least the most popular guys in the case of Tank and Garcia. They're not the best fighters, but they're super popular, particularly Garcia. If you get those big names fighting each other, the top dudes in the division, the fans will show up. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? All the other events, they're struggling. That's just the reality of it. All right. Um, I wanted to review uh, last Saturday, December 16th in Glendale, Arizona on the zone. Jesse Bam Rodriguez scores a 
Ninth round stoppage win over Sonny Edwards unifies two of the flyweight belts. Bam Rodriguez, 23 years old, has now defeated Carlos Quadras, Susa Ketsua, Runbisai, and Sonny Edwards. Those are three solid wins. And there's uh, talk that he is going to fight Juan Francisco Estrada next year. I love that fight. Estrada is kind of on his way out. So the timing is just right. Bam is, I'm not going to put him on the pound for pound list. I don't see pound for pound level accomplishments yet, but he's definitely one of the top young American fighters. And the guys that get a lot of publicity in the media, the Gervonta Davis types, the Shakur Stevensons, uh, Ryan Garcia, I think Bam is more accomplished. Uh, he doesn't maybe have the same amount of world titles and stuff like that. I'm just looking at his recent run. Kids had some amazing accomplishments for a 23-year-old fighter. So he deserves tremendous credit, tremendous credit. Um, let's A little bit about this fight. I, I think anybody who understands boxing knew right away that on paper this was like a close fight, a very interesting matchup because of the styles and stuff. But the heavy favorite had to be Bam. Had to be. Sonny Edwards does a lot of interesting defensive movements. You know, he's slick. He's an athletic guy. He, he's probably more athletic than Bam in that sense. But a lot of his movement is wasted and his defense is overrated. Guys, there are four aspects to defensive boxing. Four, okay? The first thing you defend with is your feet. You get out of range. You just move your feet and get out of range to where a punch can't land. If you're 10 feet away from your opponent, he can't land a punch, right? So your feet. Then it's slipping and, and, and dipping, right? Just avoiding shots in the pocket, slipping and making your opponent miss. Then it's blocking a punch, using your gloves, your forearms to catch punches, even sometimes rolling, catching it with your shoulder, catching the punches. And then the fourth is holding. If you're if all three of those have failed and you're getting beat up a little bit, you need to break, you hold, right? So those are the four aspects of defensive boxing. A lot of guys in this era get credit for being defensive wizards because they use their feet. They get out of range and move around. Yet those other three aspects of defensive boxing I just mentioned, they're not very good at. Demetrius Andre is a prime example of this. Sonny Edwards, in my opinion, is too. And, you know, this is no disrespect. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. But the greatest defensive fighters in the history of boxing, okay, one standard thing you see is that they are able to stand in the pocket and make their opponents miss. They are able to stand in the pocket and catch punches and counter. So whether they're slipping everything or catching everything, they're rather, they are able to stay in mid-range in the pocket and make their opponents miss and make them pay. A lot of guys get credit for being defensive wizards that basically just run. But when they're in the mid-range, when they're in on the inside, they struggle. That's not a complete defensive fighter. So when you really, really look at that, and then the fact that Sonny Edwards doesn't punch hard, and in professional boxing, you have to have enough pop to get your opponent's respect. If you don't, you're going to struggle at the highest level. You're just going to struggle at the highest level. You've got to have respectable power. You don't have to have game-changing power, but you have to have respectable power to, um, to keep your opponent off you at times and to, to get them to think twice, 
right? Just to get them to reset. You might not have to hurt them with every punch, but just stop them in their tracks and force them to reset. And Edwards doesn't have that. Okay. Uh, Demetrius Andre, another guy, particularly 168, doesn't have that. Was, how did anybody think that the fight between him and Benavidez was going to be competitive? How did anybody think that? Insane, right? I've used this, this fighter's name re recently as an example. I'll bring him up again. Chris Bird. A lot of you younger guys don't know Chris Bird. You were, you were just a kid when he was fighting. Go back and look at some of his fights. I think he's a criminally underrated American fighter in recent years. That guy could stand right in front of you and make you look foolish and make you miss. And then he could connect with a counter shot that wouldn't hurt you because he was an undersized heavyweight, but it would sting and, and stop you in your tracks and force you to reset because you didn't see the punch coming and it was thrown with precision, precision and accuracy. So Chris Bird, I just, I, I, he was a defensive fighter that didn't knock people out, you know, for, as a heavyweight. Normally I'm not really into that style, but the way he did it was really entertaining. And you could watch him fight a guy and make him miss and look silly. And then he'd slap him a few times and get out of range. And it was actually entertaining because he did it in the pocket. He didn't run. So there's an example for some of you younger guys who don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Let's um, let's do the preview. So two fight cards to, to preview real quick. Okay. Um, this Saturday, December 23rd, and then next week on the 26th from Tokyo on ESPN plus who ESPN plus I've talked about them of all the streaming platforms of all the networks, ESPN slash ESPN plus, in my opinion, in 2023, I'm talking non-pay-per-view people. Okay. Non-pay-per-view in terms of the regular programming you get, particularly on the app. I think they slaughtered everybody. I think they slaughtered Showtime PBC. I think they slaughtered uh matchroom and the zone. I think that what top rank, and ESPN, ESPN Plus has provided this year on the regular network, non-pay-per-view, has been outstanding. And the fact that they're going to bring us in a way top of list is another reason why uh, I give them the nod. And I'm actually – I'll talk about that fight in a second. Let me get to this Riyadh thing. Riyadh. Okay, look. If you're just joining the show, I talked at the top of the, the show about uh, this card coming up in Saudi Arabia. It's 40 bucks. I love that it's on in the afternoon. I love that there are like eight or nine fights on the card, not the standard four fights. And um, all of them are basically the, they're not great fights, but they're all decent fights. There's enough here that they're going to get my money. I am proudly, openly, publicly going to send them my 40 bucks. Okay. Anthony Joshua versus Otto Valin. Again, Decent heavyweight fight. Deontay Wilder versus, I believe, a shot Joseph Parker. Decent fight. Daniel Dubois versus Jarrell Miller. I actually think that fight might be better than the other two, the way it all plays out. Um, this name. Arslan Beck Makhmudov. 18-0 Russian-Canadian. Going up against Ajit Kabayal out of Germany. This is a step-up fight for him. Interesting fight for with a heavyweight prospect. Dimitri Bivol. One of the best fighters in the world, one of the top dozen or so fighters in the world, pound for pound, going up against Lyndon Arthur of England, defending his WBA light heavyweight belt. Jai Opataya is going to fight an English guy, uh, Ellis Zorro. I think he has to dump his IBF belt, but he's willing to do that to stay on this card. He doesn't give a shit about the belt. Um, I saw something about that. Uh, I didn't see all the details, but I just saw a mention of that on Twitter. 
Frank Sanchez from Cuba going up against Junior Fa of New Zealand. That's an interesting matchup, guys. That's an interesting heavyweight fight. Again, decent fight, not great. And then Philip Hergovich versus Mark DeMori, an Australian with an awful resume who is going to get absolutely flattened in this fight. That's pretty much a showcase of all showcases. But um, there's enough here. I like this one. I'll be watching it Saturday with you guys. Next week, let's talk about Tokyo real quick. ESPN Plus, Naoya Inouye versus Marlon Topolis for Undisputed at Junior Featherweight. Inouye fought Paul Butler last December to win Undisputed at uh, Bantamweight. He's going to have two fights this year. If he wins this fight against Topolis, he's Undisputed at Junior Featherweight. And he would be an undisputed champion. He would have won undisputed championships in two weight classes within one year. That is unprecedented in this era. It has happened before in boxing history, not in the four belt era. So it has happened before. But in the four belt era, this is unprecedented. And he would be a lock, in my opinion, for fighter of the year, especially if he dominates this fight. Now, look. Stephen Fulton, Marlon Topolis, not necessarily elite pound-for-pound level fighters. I get it. But to move up to yet another weight class and in two fights, two fights, clean it out. Fight the two top guys in the division and clean it out. Within a calendar year of cleaning out the last division you fought in, guys, that's fighter of the year worthy. Okay, so... If Inouye takes care of business next week, he is my fighter of the year. If he struggles, if it's close, if it's a draw, maybe you could give the nod to Crawford. But in my opinion, it's I think Inouye is going to take care of business and look really good here, and he's going to be the fighter of the year when he goes undisputed again. As far as Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, I think they both win those fights. I think Joshua is in a lot tougher. It's going to be a tougher fight for him stylistically. But he did fight Valine in the amateurs. They've seen each other before. Joshua has improved a lot since then. I do think Joshua and Wilder will win. The fact that both of them should fight early next year makes me love this card even more. So, um, okay, that's it with all that. Oh, I, I want to mention too, um, as I'm talking about, you know, the business of boxing a lot on this show recently. And the reason why I'm talking about the business of boxing a lot is because there's been some moving and shaking. There have been tremendous changes. Guys, for Showtime Boxing to go away after being in the sport for decades, basically my entire life, um, that's huge. That's monumental. You're going to talk about that. I saw a couple of you guys in the comments were upset, like, oh, man, all he's talking about is promoters and the business. Guys, that's been the, the, the biggest news story, the biggest thing to happen in boxing this year. That's a massive deal. That's a big deal, okay? So that's why I've been talking about it. Um, anyway, ESPN Plus, they're going to get me, they're going to get my money. So there are two platforms this weekend getting my money in very different ways. DAZN is getting a one-off $40 payment from me for this pay-per-view that I like. I have unsubscribed from DAZN a long time ago because their content is not worth $200 plus a year. I stopped subscribing. They, they took me for granted. I've had it with them. But if they do more of this, there's no need to subscribe, but I'll buy these pay-per-views. If they do more of this, I'll definitely be uh, buying more of them. So they're getting $40 from me. My ESPN Plus subscription ran out a few months ago, over the summer. 
and I didn't re-up. I looked at the schedule and I said, there's some interesting fights here, but I, I can watch most of these the next day, whatever. I don't want to stay up till one in the morning, two in the morning, listening to Mark Kriegel talk about the fighters, grandma's uncle's step uncle's dog walking friend. I don't care. Right. But this week I'm resubscribing to ESPN plus for one reason only. Naoya Inouye. Naoya Inouye is going to fight next week, and then he's probably going to fight twice more next year. So essentially, my $150 investment to buy ESPN Plus is to watch Naoya Inouye fight three times over the next 12 months, which he should. So ESPN Plus is getting my money because they represent and broadcast Naoya Inouye. The theme of this show, you know, I talked to Rick Glazier and we talked about the business of boxing and the only breakthrough names, you know, that bring in the casual fan. Okay. To me, and I don't agree with everything Rick said. I know he doesn't agree with everything I said. To me, what gets people spending money on boxing is getting invested in the fighters. You have to be invested in fighters. If you're invested as a fan, and there's many different reasons to get invested in a fighter. There's plenty of different reasons, okay? But it might just be, like for me, most of the time, it's just the way they fight. It's the style they fight with. It's their ring accomplishments. It's, it's what they're doing. Is it special, right? And when you get invested in a fighter, there's like this ride you go on. There, there's, it's kind of like um, the way most musicians, their careers go or even actors and stuff, but most musicians, most bands have this like underground period where not everyone knows who they are, right? And they're cutting their teeth. They're learning the business, right? And they're real raw and hungry. And then they have this breakthrough, right? And then they have this, this huge, huge peak where they're selling millions of albums and all this, right? And then they have a fall and most bands completely fall all the way off. Some are able to fall and kind of come back and stick around for a long, long time. Those bands are rare. Most have that peak and dip, right? It's like that with fighters. And so I'm thinking right now in the business of boxing, you know, and I'm thinking like, man, guys, I just, I haven't been as interested in, in watching as much the last year or so. Now my life has changed. I had two daughters. So I'm, you know, my priorities have shifted and my top priority is my children. My children are going to get my attention, my time, my money, my resources, my energy, and my love and support before boxing does. So that's probably the biggest change. But in terms of just boxing, I'm just not as invested in a lot of these fighters right now. The one guy in the sport that I got to see fight live right now is Naoya Inouye. He's the one guy. There are a couple others. I'm interested in as well. And I pretty much, I'm going to watch them. But the one guy where I'm like, I got to see this shit. I don't care if it's on at five in the morning, live from Japan. I'm going to get up and watch this, sip some coffee and watch it. Naoya Inouye. He's the one guy in, for me, as a diehard fan that I got to see fight. Now, Alexander, <clears throat> Alexander Usyk, his style isn't the most exciting. But what he's doing at heavyweight is so special and so rare. I got to watch when he fights. So like when he fought Anthony Joshua, Daniel Dubois, 
I watch those fights live. And a lot of times, you know, some of those fights were on at an earlier time and stuff. It made it more convenient for me to watch as well. That's definitely part of it. But I got to watch him just because what he's trying to do is historic. If he could beat Tyson Fury next year, we're talking about Alexander Usyk. I'm not exaggerating here. He might be approaching all-time great status, pound for pound, all-time great status among the top dozen or so names in the sport. That would be such a significant accomplishment. It'd be huge. Now, I don't want to overstate it. We'll deal with that when it happens. But I'm just saying, because of what he's trying to do, I'm invested and I want to watch. Um, Terrence Crawford's another guy. I just think he's a great, great fighter. I got to watch when he fights. But of all these guys right now, Naoya Inoue, got to watch him fight. I don't care who he fights. He could fight. He can fight me. He can fight one of you guys. I'm going to watch. I don't care. So ESPN Plus is getting my money. As a guy, I'm becoming very, very selective about where and when I spend my money, more so than ever in my life because, again, I have to prioritize that more now than ever. It's not just me I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about college funds for my kids and things like that. That's where my every last cent is going to go. So the little bit of time and a little bit of money I got left over, there's a lot of different people in my life and a lot of different entities and platforms competing for that. Naoya Inoue gets a piece of it because he's a special fighter. And because he's on ESPN+, Plus, they're getting my money. I hope that makes sense, guys. I think it's relevant to what we discussed on this show today as it pertains to the business of boxing and where we're at and how we can thrive uh, in the current landscape of things. Okay, so we've been going for an hour and a half. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we, oh, you know what? I just realized my phone's dropped. That's why we don't have any phone calls. Damn it. I was wondering why we didn't have any phone calls. I'm just checking out my software here, and the call dropped. What the hell happened? I don't know, but damn it. Well, look, it doesn't even tell me why it Oh, you know what? Some idiot called economic recovery. Policy. Yeah. Some um, telemarketer called and I think that screwed it up. Yay. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I wanted to take some phone calls, but the calls are down because some telemarketer called and ruined everything. Uh, let me check out a few comments here. Mike Mendiola who's been upset today. I've seen you in the chat, bro. I know you're not having a good day with the show today because of the, the subject matter. He says, um, up and down their roster, PBC pays way more than either top rank match or golden boy. I'm not talking about mega fights. Why do you think PBC fighters get criticized for inactivity? Well, Mike, look, here's the crux of the matter, bro. I understand why you are a huge supporter of PBC. I know you've done a lot of business. You know, you're, the fighters that you've been with have done a lot of business with them. But you kind of just said two things there in that statement, okay? There's two ways to look at this. PBC does pay their mid and low-level guys better than those other outfits. You're right, they do. But because they do that, they're very inactive. That's part of the reason why. So you just stated a really good thing for the fighters, but then also a really bad thing for the sport and the fans. So while I'm happy that guys are getting paid, believe me, I'm happy. 
I would rather see the sport thrive. A rising tide rises all ships, right? So like if the sea level rises, then everyone's boat rises. So if the boxing industry is doing better, if more people are watching, if more people are buying shows, if more people are going to tickets, there is a trickle-down effect that is going to help those mid- and low-level guys get more exposure and potentially get more money. But when you minimize everything and push it underground, yeah, this generation of mid-level guys over at PBC is getting paid. Well, the next generation? What about the generation after that? It's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Business can't thrive like this, bro. So anyway, I'm just saying, Mike, I, again, I understand your position and I agree. I do, but we got to do something different, man. We got to do something different. There has to be a market corruption. Uh, Aaron Gortman with the super chat. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate it, brother. He says, uh, have a good holidays, Mike. Love you, man. The next double M fight is the can't miss event of 2024. Yeah, that's something I'm mulling over with the wife right now. Do I do it again? Because I really wanted to get three or four fights in this summer. If I do do it again, am I going to be able to? Am I going to be able to train with two little monsters? And I say monsters with love. Okay. They're just little monsters that poop and pee and cry a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> Man, I, I miss you guys. It, it was nice to be on today. Uh, again, I'm sorry about the phones. We will, um, again, I might come on next week after Inoue and after the fight card this Saturday. I might come back on and we might uh, do one more show. But if not, I'll be back early next year. You guys know I ain't going nowhere. Uh, let's see here. I'll do a couple more comments. Komikazi says, Mike, is there a world where boxing becomes obsolete or do you think it can only get better from here? Salute. Both. <laughs> both um in terms of network television it's already obsolete here in america it's already obsolete that's what rick glazier was talking about earlier on the show um they the network tv has rejected it i mean pbc represents over 150 fighters right it was very public that their deal with showtime was ending everybody in the industry knew it it's not like any of the networks stepped up and said let's sign this stable of fighters you know, we, we want this product. Um, and think about this too, guys. Every network right now has their own streaming platform. Every network, right? It's, it's so like all the, the traditional networks have their version of streaming out there. So um, they could kind of do a, a thing like ESPN, ESPN plus, right? But none of them did. Or if any of them did, they didn't offer the same money that Amazon did because PVC will always go where the money is. So they went with the Amazon deal. Well, money plus control. Um, so to me, dude, that tells me that it's already obsolete. I hate to say that, but do you think it could get better from here? Believe it or not, it can get worse from here. It can. So I don't know which way it's going to go. I don't. I just don't. <clears throat> Trent says, uh, got to get that Chris Maddox fight, Montero. You know what, dude, if they, if they ever did a, not celebrity boxing, because they already do that, what would this be called? This would be called uh, like media boxing or something like that. Um, hey, man, I would do it. I think that'd be fun. Like, 
you know, for if Chris wanted, we, we could do headgear and all that shit if that's what he wanted to do. But like, I, yeah, I'd do it. That'd be fun as hell, man. And he's a big dude. He's my size. So Trent also adds cable is dead. You are right about that. And, and that's why, you know, again, hope is not lost, guys. Boxing has always been a trendsetter in a lot of ways of where media is going. I could point out so many histories throughout the history of so many examples throughout the history of boxing where uh, you saw boxing kind of went where everyone, everyone else like followed their lead almost like boxing went to premium cable first boxing went from like radio to TV for one of the first and other, other entities followed. And so um, boxing got very international first look at the nba now you know um major league baseball of course very international but the nba now most of the a lot of the best players in the league are not american anymore they're, they're from overseas right boxing went global so, so like you know i just boxing's going to the apps right now the other sports are not yet there that doesn't mean it won't happen at some point but i definitely think there there are huge opportunities particularly when I look at the zone, because that's a global platform. They just have to start doing some things better. Israel says only ESPN is left. I know, man, crazy times. And I think they have like two more years on their deal with top rank. And then, um, and then that's done. And I, are they going to re up? I don't know. Ace says, last thing, everyone, what's a good price, <clears throat> a good pay-per-view price to pay. I'd say 40 bucks. 40 bucks. Cause here's, here's the thing guys. If I go watch a fight at a bar, let's say there's a $10 cover and I get two beers or like a burger or something in a beer. And that's at least 40 bucks at least. So, so paying $40 for a pay-per-view and I can watch it at home and stuff. It's not bad. I, I can justify that. But $80 is tough, man. Particularly when it's a fight you didn't ask for. And Ace says, and let's say the pay-per-view is stacked. How about non-stacked? Stacked or non-stacked, bro? Give, give me 40 bucks. This card this weekend, again, none of the fights are great fights, but it's stacked with names and matchups. They're going to get my money. Oh, Sam A says, uh, KO of the year, Venezuela over Colbert. Yeah, uh, that whole Chris Colbert thing with Venezuela, that didn't end, uh, end well for him, huh? That's definitely a KO of the year candidate. I'm trying to think. There's got to be a couple more up there, but you're, you're right, Sam. That might be the best KO of the year. It's pretty brutal, man. He was unconscious and went through the ropes pretty much. So uh, you're probably right about that. Probably is the KO of the year. King KO says it's going to get worse for PBC. Amazon will have a short leash on them. Hey, look, in theory, if Amazon has a short leash on them, maybe that forces them to level up. Again, I, I go back to Steven Espinoza. His job was to serve his network and to serve the subscribers of the network. And he should have pushed back. Fights like Benavidez Plant should have happened years ago when they both had world titles. It could have been a unification fight. Um, Benavidez could have already had his Canelo fight by now. Think about it. If he had a world title, Canelo would have to fight him to get undisputed. So they, they just made so many errors over there. And when they finally do a fight like Crawford Spence, they act like, hey, everyone, Drop on your knees and blow me. I gave you the big fight you all wanted. And it's like, you didn't do any of us a favor, dude. You did your job. And you did it five years too late after years of pretending that 
you know, we don't recognize the WBO. Uh, we don't want to work with Bob Arum. Uh, Terrence Crawford doesn't have a big enough name. Doesn't He's not a pay-per-view star. Like All of that was bullshit. They delayed the fight because they knew what they had. They knew Crawford was levels above Spence and he was going to beat him. And you allowed them to do that. And you attacked anybody who questioned it or criticized it. So, so yeah, good riddance. Good, good riddance. <clears throat> Hamed says, uh, Ace, about 20 bucks in the UK and America, 40 bucks. I'm sorry, not 20, but 20, uh, 20 pounds and $40 in America. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Rock Loggins with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, Mike, I'm in Michigan visiting family for the holidays. Nice. Happy holidays for you and your family. Same to you as well, my man. <coughs> Losing my voice. Same to you as well. Um, what part of Michigan? You know where I'm from. I hope you have fun, man. I hope it's not too cold up there. But you know what? I hope you see a little bit of snow. You get a little bit of that around the holidays. It always makes it nicer. Mindyola says, I'm going to close with this, Brother Mike. <clears throat> Do you think Otani refused the $700 deal because he was afraid it would hurt the sport long term? Boxing will survive. Trust me. I, I like that example. Okay, Mike. Show uh, Otani gets signed by the, the Dodgers for $700 million. It's a record-breaking deal. But the numbers are there. The Dodgers are going to make over a billion dollars working with Otani. Los Angeles has proximity to Tokyo. They do a lot of business in the Asian markets, more so than any big city in America. The infrastructure's there. That was a steal, $700 million. They're going to do a billion, $1.2 billion of business over Otani's time with the team. So they're going to make all that money back. The, the viewership is there. People watch baseball. Networks put up billions of dollars to cover and broadcast baseball. It's everywhere. It's also international. And Otani's a massive star back home. So the, the global market is there for, for that particular signing. There is no fighter in boxing other than Canelo Alvarez, who's on his way out, and Ryan Garcia, who's going to be a flash in the pan type, he's just not on that level, uh, that can command that type of investment right now. And don't tell me Gervonta Davis because he hasn't proven yet that he's a pay-per-view guy on his own. Canelo can fight anybody, and he still does over half a million buys. He just fought Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo had one other pay-per-view. Three people bought it, right? And it was PBC's best pay-per-view of their entire run in terms of the most competitive matchups and the most stacked card, three people bought it. So Canelo can fight anybody and do those numbers. Otani, it makes sense why they paid that money. So I get what you're saying, dude. And I agree with you. Boxing will survive, but I want boxing to thrive. I don't want it to survive. I want it to thrive. And everyone always points to the dollars. Look at the gate we did for this fight. Look at the pay-per-view revenue. Okay. That's a one-off. What's your viewership? That's the number we should be talking about. What is the viewership? What is the subscribership on these apps? Those are the numbers that we as fans should be concerned about, not the purses. All right. 
Mendiola adds, boxers deserve to get paid. 99% of them retire broken with brain damage. That's my number one concern for the fighters I work with. I hear you, bro. I hear you. And one thing, again, another thing PBC does very, very well, I think they do some good financial consulting and counseling with their fighters. There are a lot of PBC guys who have invested in real estate. They've invested in businesses. They've done well with their money. I applaud that. Um, I think PBC does a good job with that. I really, really do. So <clears throat> I like that they take care of the fighters. But if if you pay a guy, let's say, $3 million to fight once a year, what's the difference between that and paying him $1.5 million to fight twice a year? He's still making the same amount of money. He's going to be in the gym regardless, or at least he should if he's a professional athlete. Pay him $3 million to fight twice a year instead of $3 million to fight once a year. That way the network will be willing to put up the money and pay for it to where it's economically viable for everybody. And that guy gets in the ring twice a year and more people see him. And further on down the line, if he's got more people that know him, then when he goes to pay-per-view, he can do more numbers. We got to change this, brother. We got to change it. Ahmed says, Mike, are the two Canelo fights on Showtime pay-per-view? They'll be Amazon pay-per-view, his two remaining fights, not Showtime. They'll be on Amazon, unless there's some news item that I missed. Oh, Rock is in Kalamazoo. Dude, that's awesome, man. Go uh, go to the sand dunes and check all that out. This time of year, it'll be beautiful. There won't be too many people there. If you haven't checked all that out yet, you should, man. That's a really cool area. Frito Fistra says, off topic, hi, Mike. In the summer, I was walking in Madrid, saw a person with a Montero on boxing t-shirt. I went to say hi to him, and we shook hands and made my day. Wow. You just made my day. Um, wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. That's really pretty cool. I've um, I've sold MOBTs all over the world, and um, it's just cool that you guys out there enjoy my show and what I do. And I know we don't agree on everything. And sometimes I rant about stuff and, you know, that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's really, really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Cause, um, man, I've, I've seen some posts on social media of people in different countries. Uh, and I've even seen, um, some boxing promos for certain fights where, they did like a scan of the crowd during the weigh-in and I've seen MOB shirts, like just, you know, uh, like a fan wearing an MOB shirt, like at a weigh-in in Vegas. And so I've seen stuff like that. It's really freaking cool. man. Sam A with a super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, boo-boo ducked everyone. Why fight that killer <laughs> to get paid? I think Sam, I think he realized he was completely out of options and I think they overpaid him and it was a way for him to get paid he moved up in weight. He can say, hey, this guy was too big for me. He can go back down to 160 now and save face. Boo-Boo just, he's gotten very well paid. But, man, that guy made some poor decisions. <clears throat> Let's see. I think we're done, guys. Um, oh, Joshua Herrera says, off topic, Mike, go check out Godzilla Minus One. Great movie. Hey, if I can get away for a couple hours, I'll try. But it's probably going to be a while because of this baby. I would, like right now, like the thought of like going to a movie and just chilling sounds amazing, amazing. I'd love to do that. 
probably ain't going to happen until early next year. All right, guys. Um, enjoy your holidays, whatever you celebrate. We celebrate Christmas in my house, so Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate Christmas. Happy New Year. I appreciate all of you. I'm thankful for you. I feel a tremendous sense of gratitude for your support. And um, as soon as I can get my life back back on schedule, uh, we'll be doing a more regular show. Okay. So uh, thank you for sticking with me during this uh, newborn time. It's newborn phase is tough, dude. But um, Josephine turned seven weeks old today. By the time we get her to about twelve weeks, things should start getting a little a little better. All right, guys. Um, Enjoy your holidays, your New Year's, and we'll talk soon. Love you guys. See you at the fights. Peace.